Oh, what a good day. What a good day. Praise God. Andrew, Abby, Kirsty, Rebecca, Matt, Cyril and Tara. Another round of applause for your brilliant celebration. Uh, Baptism Sunday is like my favourite thing out. So this is like a massive gift to get to speak on this one. Particularly because I've been journeying with some of those guys um, in a midweek hub, which... Uh, we gather as a church, not just on a Sunday, because church is kind of a 24-7 family thing. Uh, so it's a massive privilege uh, to be here, but also for all of us. I- I'd imagine it's-, it's not just me that feels a little bit emotional and a little bit overwhelmed and really proud. Even if you don't really know them, you sort of feel like your soul is celebrating. Even if you've never journeyed with them before, there's something exceptional about today. We just touch something that as a community, everyone just leans in and takes a deep breath and thinks, oh, hope is possible, love is possible, there must be more to life than this in these moments. That's profound right now, isn't it? Because when you wake up to the headlines that we woke up to this morning, or last week even, it's really important that we gather for good news. It's really important that we don't get afraid to get in a crowd and cheer on something greater, that we see the best of humanity, even in our darkest moments and most desperate moments, there's new life to celebrate. And there's plenty of reasons why you might be feeling that this is a profound day, why this is going to mark in all of our memories in one way or another. There's plenty of reasons why we might feel emotional and like this is exceptional. For example, the fact that seven people stood up here and made a commitment is actually quite extraordinary in this society. In fact, in the younger generations, it's kind of unheard of. Like, not anything to do with church, but if you talk to any kind of NGO or charitable organisation, they're struggling to get commitments in standing orders or support or or subscriptions from anyone anymore. Because as the generations come through, we, we don't commit to anything. We hover around the maybe box on Facebook, actually. And we're the kind of people that now show up Uh, last minute, hope that we can get tickets on the door because we've just not committed to something before now. It makes you pay attention when people stand up and say, I have committed my life to something because you just don't see it anymore. You just don't hear that. So I can understand why, why maybe, maybe that's why we feel emotional. Maybe that's why it's a big deal. Because seven people stood up and said, I commit to following God for the rest of my life. And we don't see people commit anymore. Maybe, maybe today is profound because people are standing up today and actually they're saying, I am not in charge. I am not in control of my life. And that's also extraordinary because if truth be told, if you're anything like me, I would quite like to think that I'm in control of what happens to my life, that I know best for me, that I've got the best ideas for my good decisions and that really, even if other people fail me, me, number one, I've got it down. I'm in control. I want to decide my destiny. Now, we also know that the reality is no one is in control of what happens in your own life. Take the headlines waking up this morning. Take a natural disaster. Take a phone call from the hospital that you never hoped to get. Take one breakup, one failed job, and you suddenly realize, oh, even when I try to be, I'm not in control. But it's extraordinary that seven people have just stood up and said, I know I'm not in control, and I'm okay with that. In fact, more than that, 
I'm putting my life into someone else's hands because I actually think God is real, that God's hands are bigger than mine and that his idea for my life is better than my attempts to control it, which isn't really possible anyway. So that's also extraordinary. In the age of us being in charge, in the age of us wanting to be in control, seven people just stood up and said, I'm not in control and that's the best place to be. Maybe that's why we feel emotional. Maybe that's why it's a big deal today. Finally, it is also moving and powerful when people actually stand for something. So it's okay to believe whatever you want to believe. Like what society will say is, oh, you've got the right to believe anything you like, but you don't have the right to say that it's true. You don't have the right to say that what you believe is for everybody. No, no, good for you, not for me. You, you can believe what you want, but for seven people to stand up and actually go, I stand for this. And I honestly believe this is good news for everybody. I honestly believe that God is real. And it isn't just a personal, private, quiet faith where I've made my own little way, but it's nice and it's just for me. No, seven people just stood up and said, I'm going to stand for this for the rest of my life. I genuinely believe that this is good news for everybody. And I'm going to go public with it. No wonder we pay attention. You'll know because it's not hard to see that if you went online and you'd said what you believe, and you believe that it was right and good for everybody, chances are you get hammering on Facebook, you get hammering online, you get trolls, you get insults. If someone sticks their head above the parapet and says, I believe something, and actually I believe this is good news for everyone, it can be quite offensive. So it's kind of extraordinary. We kind of want to back their bravery that somebody stood up and said, I actually believe that this is right. And I'm going to commit my life to something rather than fall for anything. Maybe that's why this feels extraordinary today. There are plenty of reasons why the public act of baptism is huge. It's a big outward sign of what's happened in someone's heart when they've met the living God and realized what true life is in him. It's a big deal to see somebody basically physically act out that symbol of dying to the old way of life and being made alive in God, a new way of life. Now, that's already happened for them. The pool moment wasn't the moment they gave their lives to Jesus, but that's their like, shout out to all my friends and family, this is what's going on in my heart. It's a big deal. But I want to actually say that the reason why today stands out, the reason why we celebrate, the reason why seven people stood up to share their life with you isn't actually anything to do with them. Even though it's a big deal that people commit in this day and age. Even though it's a big deal that they're standing for something. Even though it's a big deal that they're saying, I'm not in control. The real reason why today shouts something, the real reason why seven people stood up wasn't to make it about them today. It's because that they wanted to declare it's actually about the same God we've all met and what he's done for us. It's not about what we've done today. It's about what he's done for us. So let's take a look at what's he done? What's this God like? Why is the big deal not about the seven people today? Why are we actually celebrating? Now, to do this, I'm going to tell you a few stories that um, Jesus told. That's God made knowable, God on earth as a man, Jesus Christ. He told stories to let us know what God is like. Why who we're celebrating is a bigger deal than seven people's stories, actually. 
If you've got Bibles with you, um, I'm going to read from Luke 15, but it'll be on the screen. And um, I want you to listen in to what God is like and why it's therefore not about the seven stories, but about the one common denominator in all of them. And it's worth you knowing, if we want to know what God's like, how these stories start, is that God, Jesus, representing God on earth, he's already eating with people that were rejected and hated by society. So that's the first offensive thing to know about God. He accepts the unacceptable. He eats with people that everyone would think, oh, they'll actually make me more unclean to sit next to them. This is the God who has dinner with the people that you would ignore in the streets and wouldn't be allowed near your kids in case they're a bad influence. That's who God eats with because literally anybody is welcome to eat with God. Interesting. So Luke 15. Uh, I love it. I love it. This is a, um, there's a translation of the Bible called The Message and this is how it starts. Right. This is great. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus <laughs> and they were listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars, they're the guys setting the religious tone of the time, right? They weren't pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? When found, you can be sure that you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, you'd call your friends and neighbours and say, celebrate with me. I found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. Or imagine a woman who has 10 coins and loses one. Wouldn't she light a lamp and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her neighbours and friends and say, celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party God's angels throw every time one lost soul turns to God. Now, the last story is pretty long. So I'll paraphrase it for you, right? It's the famous one, the prodigal son. Right, basically there's this son and he demands his inheritance now. And basically says, dad, I wish you were dead because I'd quite like my inheritance from you now. And the dad, amazingly, lets him have it. He gives the son what he asks for and the son leaves home and with everything he can get from his dad, he leaves home and goes in a completely different direction. This son ends up wasting his life, pouring his inheritance down the drain. He's got nothing left, and then a famine hits where he's been partying, and he hits rock bottom. He decides to go home, but he is now feeling so ashamed because he's got empty pockets and empty stomach. He's totally embarrassed. So he decides, I'm going to make a plan, and I'm going to beg my dad, can I just be a servant in your house? I'll act like a slave, but if I can just work for you to earn my way back, I just, I'm so hungry, I'll just have the bare minimum. But is there any way I can come home? So the son starts a long walk home, but whilst he is still a really long way off, his dad sees him on the horizon. Because it turns out the dad has been looking all along in the hope that one day his son would turn around and come home. Before the son has a chance to practice his speech of, I know I've messed up. I know I wish that you were dead. Is there any way I can be a slave in your house? The dad starts running. 
and he runs as fast as he can to reach his son. Before the son can apologize, the dad has embraced him in a massive hug. Before the son has a chance to say, just make me a slave, the dad goes, I'm re-adopting you into my house as a son. Everything I have can be yours again. He calls all his neighbors and all his friends and throws a massive house party. But the son's got a brother and the brother didn't leave home. The brother's actually being a very good Christian boy the whole time, actually. He stayed at home and just done exactly what his dad wanted. And now the son's annoyed because the older brother's watching the son that ruined everything be welcomed back home, even though he wasn't following his dad at all. And the dad just goes, son, you're invited to the party too. Because the whole deal was it wasn't about how good you are or how bad you are. It's about how loved you are when you come towards me. The story of the prodigal son has got nothing to do with how lost the son got, but how looked for he was and how run to he was by the father. These are three stories that Jesus tells us to let us know what God is like. And that's why today isn't about seven people's stories. It's about the one God who went looking the one God who still keeps looking, the one God who goes running towards every single life and welcomes them home. That's why it's a bit weird because we're celebrating people, but we're not really celebrating them. And they stood up not because they wanted the attention on them, but because they wanted to let you know who they met, because they want to let you know how found they are. God is likened to a shepherd who left 99 good sheep to go and find the one who wandered too far off and couldn't make it home without him. God is likened to a woman who went searching in huge depth and with real care, painstaking effort to find one lost coin. God is likened to a dad who gets utterly abused and mistreated by his kid, but waits and watches and hopes and runs to still welcome his kid back home no matter what mess or story he got himself into, he didn't even get a chance to explain before he was forgiven. Today is about the God who goes looking and the God who wants to find anyone who feels lost, who thinks they're far off, who didn't even know that you've got a home to come back to. The big deal about today is not because anyone did anything special to sort themselves out. It's not about how lost we were, but how found we are by God. It's not about how far away you go, but how found that you've become when you meet him. We know that it is a big deal to commit. We know it is a big deal to stand for something and to say I'm not in control. But I'd also like to suggest that some of that joy you feel in your heart, some of that emotion you're feeling. And some of you might know that when you kind of come close to touching God, it, you feel something. Some of you might not have realized that God is present here, that that's probably a little bit like touching God, what's going on for you. But where it, the, the stories Jesus t- says that is that one person coming home, one person meeting the Father, it's like all of heaven explodes in a massive party of praise and worship people, like angels singing, having an absolute ball over one life. And so if you kind of feel like, why do I feel so much joy? I would suggest you're getting a little echo of what is going on in heaven, what is going on in God's heart over each one that met him again. One thing we often say when people share their faith 
One thing we often say when people say what they believe, one thing you might have said to your own mates is, good for you, but not for me. That's nice that you believe that. Well done for you. I'm glad that works for you. Good for you, but not for me. From the stories and the reasons for celebrating today, I hope you realize that when it comes to the Jesus thing, uh, when it comes to Christianity, um, good for you, but not for me um, doesn't apply. Because it isn't like a personal choice way of life. It isn't about they, they, they had that story and it was their own uh, strength or good behavior or something that meant they've got baptized today. When it comes to being a Christian, it's good for you and good for me. The invitation just got blown wide open. The story was never exclusive, was never a clique, was never a personal faith that isn't for everybody else. No way. Well, God said, like, I so love the world, I'm going to give my one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him, they won't die. They'll have everlasting life. It's good for you and good for me. One response that you can't have to your mates getting baptized today is good for you, but not for me. It's good for you and good for me. The question is, what are you going to do with that invitation? The question is, what are you going to do with people standing up in front of you today saying, God is real. I've met him. He's changed my life. He's made me more alive than I ever knew was possible. And I want to give the rest of my life to reflect something of his good news and love to the world. That demands a response. And it can't be good for you, but not for me. It's you are invited. The Father is looking for you. What would you like to say to him in response It's not about how lost we are, but how looked for we are by God. It's not about how far away we've gone, but how found we can be by Jesus. What I'm going to do now is pray, talk to God, with you and for you. And I know that there's different stories going on in the room today. Some of you, this honestly might be the first time you realise God was real. And in fact, no, no one ever quite told you that before. And you, it's just come crashing home into reality. Oh, there is actually more to life than this. And this is actually demanding a response from me. You can even like feel it in your heart. You're like, uh-oh, <laughs> this just got real. For some of you, um, hearing today, it's almost like it's reminded you of what you grew up in. It's like an echo of a truth that you've known for a long time, but you've just sort of let it slide. And today you can feel that Father God going, you're coming home now. Do, do you want to get closer again? Do you want to walk together again? Some of you actually are thinking, I actually believe in Jesus. And I know Jesus says, believe and be baptized. And I haven't done the baptism bit. All right. Maybe I should do that. Just so you know, we can do that today. Uh, we've got spare clothes. Like. So if you're thinking, oh, I actually should be baptized, Miriam, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, no worries, God's like, you're so invited, good for you and good for me, come on. So what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for all of us, and then I'm going to pause, and then I'll explain. Uh, I'm going to give us a bit of space to talk to God ourselves, because for some of you, you actually want to talk to him for the first time, and you want to do, I guess, what you've seen your friends do already, know God, invite him in realize I'm not in control but I actually would like this good news God to be I want to stand for something 
I want to actually commit my life to something. And in, in these times, I actually need something more than me. So let me pray for all of us, and I'm going to give some space for us to talk directly to Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you loved us first. Father God, thank you that today is a day of celebrating how loved we are as people, handmade by you. Father, thank you that every story shared and every life celebrated today is about a life that was looked for and loved and found and brought to life by you. Thank you that it's all down to you loving us enough that you kept going until we said yes back. Now, if you want to join me, I'm going to leave some space in between each line that I pray. I'm going to start by asking God, will you help me know that you're here and love me? So if you want to join in with me in your head, in your heart, why don't you pray with me? God, help me know you love me right now. Help me know you love me right now. Jesus, thank you that you loved me first. I'm sorry because I know I've wandered far away from following you. I've not lived the life that you made me for, God. I turn around now and say yes to your invitation to find me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, fill me with your presence. Jesus, I want to know you and follow you now. And I just want to pray for the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, to fill us all now. Spirit of God, you bring peace. You bring comfort. You bring hope. You bring power. Father, will you fill our hearts that we might know you better? Come, Holy Spirit. Help us know we're not alone. Help us know that we are loved. In Jesus' name. Amen. What we're going to do now is um, we'll sing. And whilst we kind of worship God through singing... Uh, we want to be able to pray for people. So I'm aware that some people, for the first time ever, have just asked to know more of God. If that was you just then, we'd love to carry on talking to God with you. And there'll be people to pray at the front and at the back, depending which bit of the room you're in. Uh, so you can take a friend, if you came with someone, or just go on your own. And uh, we'd love to carry on talking to God with you and pray for you, pray a blessing over you. Listen to God for you.
So if you just made a response, Jesus, come into my heart, we'd love to carry on praying for you. If you know that you had wandered far off, but you actually know him, like you know where home is, but you're looking to come back, we'd also like to pray for you too. If there's something specific that you're like, "Uh uh-oh, God's doing something in my heart, come and get prayer. If you know you should be baptized and Jesus has just given you a nudge in the ribs, whilst people are getting prayed for and we're singing, uh, why don't you come down the front and chat to me and Christian and um, we'll see about dunking you in a minute.